Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast. My name is David Duggan and I'm the director of Below the Line, an Irish-based consultancy specialising in helping people, teams and organisations raise their levels of consciousness, inner potential and performance. I am part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organisations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs and people looking to make their mark in the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well and perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way into exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines. What are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives? Whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of our knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week I'm delighted to be joined by another very special guest, Dr. Stephanie Teichmann. Stephanie is a German-born and now Dublin-based coach and strategic advisor to clients in a variety of sectors and industries across the globe. Having started her professional career as a management consultant with McKinsey, Stephanie subsequently held various general management director and VP roles at Coca-Cola, Google and Nike at a local, regional and global level, combining strategy and P&L leadership positions. She spoke to me about her own career path and experience, her introduction to coaching, how what she does now is as much about aligning with her own personal values as it is bringing her considerable experience to the people she now works with, as well as the value and role of advice, guidance and challenge in coaching conversations. You can subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as our exclusive online events and sessions, including our Press Pause coaching community. Thanks for listening, and now, on with the show. So, look, I'll start by saying, first of all, Stephanie, thanks a million for joining me. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you're, you, you are, so um, to have an opportunity to talk to you is great. Um, and the first question I ask all my guests, it's now becoming my traditional question, is please tell me, why do you do what you do? Well, first of all, good morning, David, and thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being on your program. Why do I do what I do? So what do I actually do? Um, I'm a business coach and advisor. I run my own company. It's called TECA, which stands for Teichmann Executive Coaching and Advisory. Um, And why do I do what I do? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. I love what I do. Um, I love it because I feel I have a positive impact on both people and businesses. I also am lucky because I get inspired from working with a lot of various different clients around the world and, you know, learn about their specific challenges. And I think one of the most critical elements why I love what I do is that I feel that I'm aligned with my core values. 
uh, values like independence, excellence, truth, compassion. Um, and most of the time, most days, um, I can live and work by these values. And to be fair, that wasn't always the case. You know, just maybe to give you a little bit of a background, I had um, a, a great corporate career working for amazing companies like Google, Coca-Cola, Nike, and in early days, McKinsey. And I'm really, truly grateful for all the experiences that I gained and the stuff I learned. Um, but to be fair, after 20 years of working in corporate, I felt it was time to take a step back, to reevaluate, to reflect. And what I figured out then were, you know, simplified were two things. One was I'm really at my best when I can work with people on both their leadership challenges as well as the business challenges, because I feel that magic happens when you get that intersection right between people and business. And I think the second thing that I found out about myself is that I really felt a bit limited by working for just one company. So I was really craving the freedom to work with whom I want to work, to work on the topics that I want to work on, to work when I work, and at the same time, still enjoying like all the other dimensions that life has to offer. So um, I started this journey of coaching and um, strategic advisory about four years ago. And um, by now I work with leaders, with senior executives, mostly across all industries, across all countries. And that may range from like a medium-sized family-run German engineering company to like an investment firm in the Middle East or high-tech growth companies in the UK or the US. And for some of these clients, I'm a little bit of a strategic sounding board and help them think through their business problems, leveraging my own expertise. Um, and for other clients, it goes more into the more typical coaching topics like leadership competencies, executive presence, stakeholder management, resilience, career progressions, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe a final note, um, you may have noticed from my accent, I'm German, <laughs> um, but I have uh, lived and worked in many countries over the last uh, 20 or so years. And after I left Google, my last uh, corporate job here in Ireland, I just decided to stay in Ireland because I just love the nature here. I really enjoy the people. And I think it's actually a great base for a very small business that is still global like mine. You mentioned there McKinsey at the start of your career and into lots of different businesses. Um, just tell me a little bit more about those roles if you can. Yeah, um, so I mostly worked in strategy roles and general management um, general management roles. And um, But I think independent of the role you're in, what I learned, um, I learned, I think loads of things, but a couple of things come out. So, um, McKinsey was a fantastic school to go through. And uh, to, be, to be fair, I don't think I'd be sitting here today without the, the six years of McKinsey that I've had. Um, because what that, and not just McKinsey, but any of the, like the top um, strategy consulting firms, I think what they give you is they help you to um, simplify problems and to, they provide you with a tool set for structured problem solving. Um, that you can apply to kind of any business problem and and you're being thrown into different situations um, like and have to kind of learn how to swim very quickly 
every six months or so, um, which again um, really helps you to be agile and to keep an open mind and to, to work on particular problems for a particular client. So the problem solving piece, the structuring, the system systematic way of looking at a business, I think was key for that period. What then I think is common across the other companies I work for, all obviously big American brands, is a big learning around, you know, understanding and solving a problem is great, but that's worth nothing if you are not able to bring the people along. And um, and that was a lesson I learned over and over again that, you know, in the beginning when I was, uh, you know, when I joined Nike and uh, I was like very eager to deliver on time and deliver the full project results, et cetera, you know, some some very good mentor that I had who actually was also next McKinsey. He was CEO of Europe at the time. And he said, like, hey, you know, um, this is all great, but you also need to make sure that um, that the people on the project that you work with, the people in the business, enjoy working with you and that they feel ownership for the project as well, because they are also going to be the one having to implement it later. So you you need to create allyships and uh, you need to um, um, engage them and bring them along. And that was a very good lesson that I then worked on for, I think, the remainder of my career. And how then did you discover coaching was that something you came across during your career are you engaged in or was it almost like the missing piece between you know the bridging the gap between strategy and the execution um i think during my time at mckinsey i um i also uh did a phd and the phd was in business studies but the topic was change management and that was kind of my first venture into um combining people strategies with business strategies and how to make that work and that really come that it, it really deeply interested me and from then on um i i always worked on topics that involved both people and strategic challenges and um and i found over time, especially as I grew into more senior positions, that what really makes a difference is the team around you and um, how you are able to provide what they need so they can be at their best. Um, and I started looking very much into things like situational leadership. Um, and I went on a lot of leadership development courses myself, including coach, uh, coaching um, um, courses for leaders. And so um, I got more and more and more interested in that. And I also figured out that um, I, I really enjoyed developing people. And, um, and I got also very positive feedback. Um, which validated kind of this path for me, and um, and so when the when when I decided to leave the corporate world, um, it was very clear to me and had been like years before that if I ever leave, that this would be the path that I would want to pursue. However, not just the coaching piece, but to me, it was always about being close to the business and helping leaders um, become better leaders, but also through that, 
become better at running their businesses. Previous conversation, but you mentioned, you know, there is there are times when you have to be the coach and ask the questions, but there are also times when um, you've got to tell people uh, or offer some advice or insight. And I, I'm imagining people come to you because you offer both, um, given your background and the roles that you've played. Um, but can you just talk to me more about that kind of how do you strike that balance between coaching and, and advising at times? Yeah, uh, happy to. Yeah, so I, yeah, as I understand a lot of, uh, including my my own certification as a coach, um, the focus is very much on non-directive coaching. Um, and I have a great appreciation for that. Um, um, I think that's a very important tool and methodology. However, I think that there is a time and place for that. And um, sometimes what a client needs um, is, is a bit more. And the clients that I work with that, that chose me, do choose me because of my, you know, amongst other things, hopefully, but also because of my, my business background and the fact that I've seen many of the challenges that they're faced with, I've seen them firsthand. Um, and, um, and therefore, they often ask me for my advice or, you know, for my perspective. And um, the way I go about this is that I tend to always go the non-directive route first, um, where we explore together what's on their mind, how they think about a particular challenge. Um, and then I, depending on how that goes, I offer an additional perspective. Um, which is still very open. It's still about, hey, um, you know, what about looking at it like this from this angle? Or if you change your perspective to this. Um, so it's not so much telling them at all. It's, I, 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 I would never tell a client what to do. Um, it's more about, hey, maybe you can also think about it differently. Um, and in the end, obviously, it's always up to them what you know what they take and what they leave there's also something about i think the role of the coach to tell the coachee or the client well here's how here's what i see or here's what i'm hearing in the language you're using if um for example they're looking to think about how they address their client their staff or talk to people is, is that something as well that you would find in your in your coaching work that sometimes you're telling people look here's how here's how i'm hearing that just so you know no, absolutely. I think that's a very, very important um, element of, of coaching is to, uh, you know, to, to restate and um, and to to more or less play back what you're hearing. And sometimes just hearing it from somebody else, even though it might be kind of the same content, uh, creates a kind of additional self-awareness that is absolutely important. But in addition to that, there are also occasions, you know, where, you know, it's, it's just sometimes people don't know what they don't know, right? And um, and and then if I do have something to offer because I have seen it before um, or I have additional ideas, um, you know, I you know they do expect me to bring that to the table as well as as you say as an offering as a suggestion. You mentioned being aligned with your core values. 
Um, but I'm wondering, how did you uh, discover your, your core values? Is that something that you consciously thought about or that was always within you? Um, I, I think my core values have been with me for, for a very, very long time, even though I was not necessarily able to articulate them, right? So um, one of my biggest values is definitely independence slash freedom. And um, if you were to talk to my parents, uh, they would give you a lot of evidence that uh, exhibited that from very early on. Um, um, and I have to understand that to be able also to understand my own reaction to certain things. Um, and um, and that's also when I work with clients, um, doing a number of value values exercises with them um, is, you know, I would say is part of probably 80% of my client work as well in the beginning. Because for me, um, uh, self-awareness, as I mentioned, is, uh, is critical for any good leader and values play a great role because values to me are also a good cause for triggers. Um, and when I take the example of my own independence or freedom value, you know, I, you also need to sometimes understand that there is a flip side to that as well. Um, and um, when I was younger, for instance, like, I don't know, in my early 20s, um, even or like late teens, even I always thought I could like conquer the world by myself. You know, um, you know, I was this completely independent spirit. Um, and I had to learn over time um, and also with the help of my corporate career and the mentors I have, the programs I, I, I went through, et cetera, that actually um, not only do you need allies and you need other people, but also uh, working with other people makes the outcome most likely much more robust and better and um, is also very enjoyable, um, which sometimes of course, infringes a little bit on this independence streak and value that I have for myself. But because I'm aware of it, it doesn't trigger me, but I embrace it. Um, so uh, so that's why I think working on values for myself and with clients is really important. Your clients are scattered all over the world and they, they range in industry and sector. But are there any key challenges or commonalities to any of the things that you're seeing uh, being faced by some of your clients or the businesses that they're they're running at the moment for you? Yeah, um, there's, from a business end, I think what I see a lot at the moment is uh, probably not surprisingly is um, organizational restructuring, both in mature businesses, but also in, in, in younger companies. Um, and with that come the typical challenges, you know, people having to take on larger responsibilities and they need to step up to the challenge quickly. Or also leaders having to find ways to reorganize their teams and to deliver more with less um, while still, you know, delivering against ambitious targets. So the whole world around like restructuring, um, layoffs, reorganization is that's definitely a topic across the board right now. There are other topics that I find are, you know, have have been relevant over the last few years while I'm doing this across, interestingly, I think across company type and also across countries and cultures. And that are 
topics that I uh, that I would call, for instance, one of it I would call leadership brand building. You know where um, where it's really about understanding your current brand as a leader and how how you are being seen by others, and then developing a brand aspiration for yourself for the future. Um, and obviously. In an authentic way, this is not about creating a fake persona, but this is how you want to show up as a leader. What impact would you like to have on others? And how do you also shift the perception that others have of you? Because I think we all know how quickly people are put in a box. You know, it happens like in a heartbeat. And then it's so hard to get out of this box. And um, and what I work on with my clients is to understand the status quo, um, to develop a brand aspiration for themselves for for the future and then really develop a strategic action plan that is very pragmatic on how to nudge that perception and how to adjust their own mindsets and their own behaviors so that they grow into their own aspirations and as a result to help them out of that box that they're in and to and, and, and become better, more effective leaders and also make progress regarding their own careers. That is a topic, this whole leadership brand building piece that I that I see across the need for that and the demand for that. Yeah, yeah. I can see how um, getting people to really think about their own values as well would be uh, pretty central to that exercise too. It's part of it, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Um, I'm always interested in asking people as well who are guests in this podcast about our our their take, sorry, on, on our strap line, which is live well, perform better. Can you just tell me what does that mean to you? And do you have a, t- a take on on how you try and do that yourself? Yeah, so I, I must say, I love your tagline. I think it's great. It completely resonates with me. Um, you know, and I obviously appreciate that it means something different for, for, for everybody. For me, it's, I guess it's about living your life fully and holistically, you know, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And I think when you take care of all of these dimensions, then you just set yourself up for success and you, as a result, automatically perform better. And and the second part of the question, what, what do I do? How do I bring that to life for myself? There are a number of things I do, like, I, I personally, I love nature. I love being outdoors. And um, so I, I, I have a couple of rituals, like, for instance, every morning um, or most mornings, I take my two dogs out for a walk on one of the many beautiful beaches that are around me here. And being that kind of 45 minutes or so out in nature, it gives, it brings clarity of mind. It, you know, brings me inspiration. I'm inspired by the, you know, natural beauty around me. It's also good for me physically. So, so that's something that is, for me, is like living, living life holistically. And, um, and I think, again, the other thing is about understanding yourself a little and, 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 and also being compassionate with yourself. So for instance, I'm not a morning person. I've never been a morning person. Um, and um, I hated having to take like these early, you know, 6.30 a.m. flights to go anywhere. Um, and I was miserable the whole day. Um, so I learned that about myself. And, and therefore, 
also helped by the fact that a lot of my clients are in the US and therefore I work later in the day anyhow. I I hardly ever start work before 10 or sometimes even noon. Um, and that allows me to start more slowly in the mornings, to go for these walks that I mentioned, to do some yoga, to, you know, to have a coffee and, you know, I don't know, do some errands at my pace. And then when I do sit down, then it allows me to be fully present, be awake and, um, and, uh, and enjoy what I do. Yeah. Fantastic. What a great answer. I love that. Um, in terms of the people that you, you coach, um, obviously we mentioned already some of them are in large organizations or smaller organizations, but in terms of people looking after themselves in those high pressured jobs, are there key um, mistakes or patterns that you see people making um, that you just come across that you recognize? Yeah, a number of those. Um, so one that is connected to what we talked about in terms of values, et cetera, is to not be clear on what really matters to you. Um, and when you are clear and when you do know what is truly important to you, then it's, and why this is truly important to you, then it's much easier to create boundaries and stick with boundaries. Um, so I think that that clarity and that deep understanding of what matters and why um, is, is is something that I I always would 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 recommend people to work on. And I think something else that I see is um, it has to do with like the inner critic that we see in in ourselves often or in, in 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 our clients where people make assumptions about what the world out there thinks about them if they do or do not behave a certain way and they have these automatic negative thought patterns um, that they spiral down unless they I don't know whatever the example is, like, if, you know, if, if I don't get this done, what will people think about me? Uh, or if I leave the office early, um, you know, they think that I'm lazy, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I am very often that is actually not true. Um, and um, it's just assumptions that we play out in our head and that you can deal with. Um, and even if, there is evidence for that. There are also ways to deal with that, which then comes back to the first point is like what truly matters to you and how do you balance that? So, so yeah, I think, I think uh, a, a lot of my clients have, have like ch are challenged with like resilience. For anyone listening to this podcast and thinking about, oh, I'd, I'd love to um, tap into working with a coach or I'd love to, you know, try and live well and perform better. What's your first piece of advice for someone who's thinking about those types of questions? I think you you need to ask yourself if you're if you're ready. And what I mean by that is, um, are you really willing to commit and to engage? You know, um, um, because it is a journey and sometimes, you know, learning about yourself can also be a little bit painful and um, and 
Um, there is no magic bullet out there. Um, there, there is. You have to do the work. Um, and sometimes, actually, most of the times, it's the process that is uh, the, where where most of the benefit lies. And um, and therefore, you know, if you if you're not willing to commit the time and the mindset to this journey then maybe you're not ready yet. And I think once you are thinking about it, um, I would recommend to talk to a number of coaches, um, maybe not 10 or so, but two or three definitely. And, um, and the most important for me, apart from like the obvious ones that coaches are qualified and you know have integrity, and, but the most important one giving these, you know, apart from these basics is, is chemistry. You need to feel that this is a person that you actually would enjoy spending an hour with whatever every one or two weeks. And, um, and, um, and, and, and therefore chemistry is key. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And then lastly, for anyone listening to this, looking to contact you or find you or work with you, where do they do that? And how do they reach out to you? Well, um, two ways, uh, you know, look, you can obviously look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Dr. Stephanie Teichmann, or um, go to my website, it's teka.ie. Um, there is a, a contact form that you can complete. And um, yeah, um, happy to, I'm always happy to have like um, an informal chat um, to explore whatever um, you may need. So. Yeah, looking forward to talking to anybody who want to get in touch. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure based on this conversation and listening to you, they're absolutely well. So, Stephanie, thanks a million for uh, taking time out of your day. And um, I'm conscious, uh, based on what you just said, we were probably speaking a little earlier than potentially normal. So <laughs> thank you very much for doing that. Um, and uh, you've been full of energy and inspiration and information. So thanks a million. Thank you, David. Have a good day. Take care. Bye bye now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard and you want to stay in touch with us, then please head over to www.belowtheline.ie to subscribe to our mailing list and to explore our upcoming programs and events. Until then, take care and see you next time.